Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. It's, it's, a, it's a real privilege um, to share, share tonight and to get to, to bring the word. And if there's anything that I know, it's that the more I know, which isn't much, <laughs> in the scheme of all the things there are to know, what I know isn't much. But if there's anything that I know, the more I know <laughs> that all I know is that God is so good. <laughs> That's the more I know, all I know is that God is good. And it just seems to get proven to me over and over again, whether it be in His provision or in His ability to, to comfort me when all else might seem that I shouldn't have comfort, that, that God just seems to be so good in, in all seasons. And I think Tristan did an amazing uh, job of sharing about seasons this morning. But all I seem to know is that, that God is so good. And I love that song um, that we sang first up tonight. And uh, truth be told, that's for myself and Beck, that's our, our little thing lately has been, it's not rude, by the way. It's, um, our thing lately has been just to have a worship song as our alarm tone just in the morning. And every morning for the last however long, maybe a month now, months, I love, the, I love this song. Every morning for the last month, we've just been waking up to this song. And it's just five minutes at the start of every day hearing, God is so good. I'm haunted by the past no more. God is so good. God is so good. Hope is, rising. Hope is coming like the rising sun. God is so good. And I guess my heart tonight is, um, you know, it's a, little, it's, a, it's a little bit bittersweet that, I'm, um, that I've been fortunate to, to land this new job. But I guess my heart tonight is if, if I had one thing to impart into the church, it would just be the truth. And I believe the truth is that God is good. And that's, what, that's I guess, what I want to share tonight. And if we haven't met before, my name's Matt, and um, I've been fortunate enough to be a part of the worship team at this church. And, uh, and so tonight, we're just going to talk about one of those little things that I do know, and I feel like I know a little bit about worship. I don't know a lot, but I, I think if, if there was something that I could share on, it would be worship. And, um, and, and the worship atmosphere is initially what drew me to this church. It's what kind of lured me in, I suppose. And, and I use that worship atmosphere specifically. Um, you know, I, I was a musician through school, and um, it's actually really special to have Troy Lav here tonight because um, I wouldn't be in this church, I wouldn't suspect, without you, Troy. And so it's really special to have you here tonight. Um, and so being a musician and part of uh, that team is what kind of brought me into this church. And, and the music and the atmosphere was, was so uplifting, and, and I, use, I use that word specifically as well, because I feel like in that season of me first coming to church, God was doing really great things for my life through those moments. You know, I, um, I think at some level for all of us, we can connect with music. Like it, music does something um, that other things can't. It's why movies use music, right? It's, it's what, because it, it, connect, it can connect with us. I think of 
movies with great soundtracks like Pearl Harbor or um, that maybe it's just because planes were in that movie. <laughs> but you know, like, I, th- I think like, there's something that there's something that music does, right? And and so it w- I was connecting through the music and through that God was doing great things for my life, and I felt like. Um, coming to church was able to to see me through the next week you know what I mean like it would c- come to church be uplifted and I'd get to Saturday and think church is tomorrow that's going to be great and I'd come again and it would, it would be uplifting this worship atmosphere would be uplifting but it came to a point where God was doing great things for my life but eventually the things that God can do for our life actually um or just just being a part of that worship atmosphere won't be enough anymore. Just to be coming to the uplifting thing um, won't be enough because I really feel like that God wants to do great things through your life, not just for your life. That, um, that God just doesn't want you to come to church, but God wants you to be the church. That God just doesn't want to... Um, God doesn't want us to be just just uplifted, but God wants us to be fulfilled. God wants to, to fill us to a point where we're not just coming to church to receive from this worship atmosphere, but it's actually, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight, that this moment of worship is actually the outworking of our heart's desire, not just to be uplifted, but to actually outwork our love and our affection for Jesus in these moments. And, and so that was my journey. My, my journey kind of came through this um, church and church and God was doing wonderful things for my life, but there's something more for every single one of us that God wants to do something in our life and through our life. And the through extends beyond us. At some point, God wants to take just the encouragement of you and to take that encouragement that you've received to those around you. And I really, I really do believe that. And and I feel like in, um, in Psalm 63, this is echoed so beautifully. And I shared Psalm 63 with our, with our team the other night. Um, it's a wonderful verse. Psalm 63, verse 1 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And, this is, and I love this part here because it takes it from lovely words to a, this is my heart's desire. It says, I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. You know, the psalm also says, uh, God wants us to taste and see that he is good. And this is my favorite bit. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. That's the outworking of something. Not just the uplifting feeling of being here, but the the outworking of something. You know, that's why we actually do this worship service. The the reason we do this together is is because it's good for us to do this together. This worship... So we call this a worship service, right? Because it's, it's a moment where we can come and worship together. And what I love, if you're in that season right now of you're coming to church to be uplifted, I'm so glad you're here because everyone goes through that process, right? Like, that, that's my, it, if that's my journey, then that's someone else's journey too. The power of a testimony is that if God can do it for me, He can do it for you. And so 
um, so I really believe that there's a season for us to come to church and be uplifted. And as believers too, if we know the truth and feel, there's seasons in our life where we just need to come to church to be picked up again. And so there's that, that's why it's so good for us to be able to do this together. The heart of it all is to show people Jesus, for people to know Jesus and then to love Jesus and then to be able to worship Him. I love that line too of that song, um, Our Affection Poured Out on the Feet of Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful image? And so tonight, in the, in the few moments that we have together, I want, to, um, I want to just firstly pray, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to be worshippers. So God, I just thank you for tonight. God, I thank you that you are here with us. God, I thank you that you've promised us that you are here with us in your word. God says that where we gather together under your name, you are here with us. So Lord, I pray tonight you, as you would just speak to each and every one of us, God, none of us are exempt tonight from the power of your word. So God, we just give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're just going to take a reading really quickly tonight from John chapter 4. And I've been lucky enough to be a leader in our worship team. And this is a a verse that uh, was really quite evident just in the first few years when I was starting to, um, I guess, learn what it meant to be a worship leader. And we're going to have a look at um, John chapter 4. Now, I love the book of John, and some of the fruit of being in Matt Blake's um, life group is the insights we've had into the Word of God, and I, I really love that. And so, um, so this little analysis that I firstly picked up is actually something that, that Matt um, has brought out of all of us, which I love. But um, what I love about the, the book of John is that it talks so, um, I guess, deeply, obviously about Jesus. That's like a, the quintessential component of all the Gospels, right? Um, Jesus. But it speaks about um, Jesus as being divine. Jesus as being, um, the, as being God in flesh. And so the book of Matthew starts off with Jesus' family and the book of Mark begins by showing Jesus' baptism and a bit of the context around his birth. And Luke is kind of similar. It talks about some of the cultural happenings around Jesus' birth and kind of presents him as, as the saviour of the world. But John, the very start of the book of John goes right back to Genesis and, and really presses on this showing that God is word in flesh. And in John chapter 4, it's kind of an extension of this. And it's a really special chapter, and, it, and it's significant for all sorts of reasons. Um, the chapter 4 in the book of John is where a Samaritan woman has this encounter with Jesus, a Jewish man. And it's significant for all, all kinds of reasons from the way that, first of all, they wouldn't, these are two people who normally wouldn't speak to each other at all. Um, it's significant for the way he speaks to this woman. It's significant um, because he tells this woman that he is the Messiah, one of the first times in in John's Gospel. And just notice who who he entrusts this information to. Isn't it it powerful? Who, who Who Jesus entrusts the information that he is the Son of God to? I think, I think that's amazing. Um, he gives it to the destitute and the broken, and I just love that. But he also talks about um, supply, him supplying and being living water where people will never thirst. And, and so I recognize that this chapter is significant for all sorts of reasons, but I want to focus in on one of these tonight. And that happens in John uh, chap- in verse 21 of this chapter. And it's where Jesus talks to this woman about worshippers. And so I'm going to pick up in verse 21, um, 
and it's immediately after Jesus has kind of um, shown this woman her, du- her dirty laundry and kind of just wants to pick up and say, hey, I'm the real deal and here's what I'm about to tell you that's the truth. So Jesus declares to this woman, I might pick up from verse 20 actually, the woman says to Jesus, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, believe me woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. In verse 23, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and His worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the next part is, it says, uh, the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I wonder if at the moment he's like, haven't you picked up on that guy yet? But Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. This is a really powerful verse because it's, it's Jesus, God in flesh, saying the true worshippers will do this. And it got me thinking. If, that, if the true worshippers will worship in spirit and in truth, is it possible then to worship in not spirit and not truth? And the answer, upon further investigation, startlingly, appeared to be a resounding yes. It is. It is actually possible to get this wrong. Um, and and it, it, it kind of scared me a little bit because all of a sudden I thought, I want to worship Jesus, and obviously this matters to God so much, I, I really want to get it right. <laughs> I, really want to, I really want to try to sort this out. And, and just to, I guess, to demonstrate this, in Isaiah 29, um, it says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Whoa! Wow, their worship of me is based on merely human rules they have been taught. Now, what? Ooh, ow. Like, now, but he, let, me, let me take this out of the Old Testament and into my life for a sec. How many times have I thought I need to go to church? Because if I don't go to church, God will think ill of me. That's a rule. How many times have we let rules affect... Um, our perspective or our relationship with Jesus and and then on the contrary to that how many times have I just honoured God with my lips but my heart been perhaps far from him wow that's heavy in 2 Kings 17.33 and I'm, I'm not going to list too many of these by the way <laughs> but in 2 Kings 17.33 it says um, speaking, speaking of, about all these nations, it said, they worshipped the Lord, but they also served their own gods in accordance with the customs of the nations from which they had been brought up. How many times, um, well, how many, I wonder how many times I have declared that I worship God, but still put my trust elsewhere. Or maybe had my own little trust slush fund elsewhere like my trust spending money on the side 
like I've got my got my mortgage savings account, but I've still got my um my backup. <laughs> All my trust is in God, but I've got a reserve tank in case that doesn't work out. You know, like you know what I mean? Um, I, and you know, God cares really deeply about this. And and here's the thing: these verses are not here to condemn us. Condemnation is not from God. And and, and so I, so I share these things uh, from my experience because. I I really believe these verses are not here to condemn us at all, but they're here to provide us insight to the disconnect. Just some insight into, okay, here's the things I need to line up. And first of all, the thing we need to line up is this and this. We need to be able to, and so these verses are not here to condemn us. And to be honest, right now, I know the devil would love to jump on these things in my life when I've come to church and say, what are you doing here? And I don't know if you've ever felt like that walking into church before. Just this impressing on your heart. Say, what are you doing here? (laughs) That's not from God. (laughs) The Holy Spirit will say, impress on your heart and say, I'm so glad you're here. Do you want to deal with this thing while you're here? (laughs) Like, do you want to, I'm so glad you're here right now in the presence of God. While you're here, would you like to deal with... um, like your lips are saying great things, but do you want to deal with the heart? That's, that's the Holy Spirit. But the devil wants to kick us out the door and not come back. But the Holy Spirit invites us back in every single time. And, um, and, and this is why I believe that, that, that it really matters to God. And so I want to highlight on um, this worshipping in truth and worshipping in spirit. And I'll summarize it in these two ways. To worship God in truth means that we need to worship Him in more than just our troubles. To worship Him in truth means we need to worship Him in more than just our troubles, meaning perhaps we need to declare that He is Lord our God when He's more than just our last resort. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, before we've got nothing left. (laughs) The truth is that uh, we have nothing except for God. (laughs) But I think it's powerful when we're able to worship Him before we realize that. (laughs) Before, before we're left with nothing. You know, I, I, I love that, oh, I really feel like in this verse anyway, in, in John chapter 4, 21, he's saying to this woman, and when this woman says, you know, my fathers used to worship on this mountain, and it's all about turning up to the mountain and worshiping, or turning, and, and now you're telling me I need to go to Jerusalem. I feel like Jesus is saying, hey, there's a time coming, in fact, it's here right now, where it's about more than attendance. But it's about repentance. It's about more than just turning up. But actually, it's, it's a head and a heart thing. It's, it's not just going to be worshipping God when I need Him, but being able to declare that He's Lord of all, over all, in all, in every circumstance. That's, that, and that's what true worship is. To worship in truth, our worship needs to be truthful. I want to read quickly from 2, oh no, here it is, in 2 Chronicles 7.14. And I love this verse, it's really powerful. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, not just and turn up to church, (laughs) but and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's a God I believe in, a God who can heal, 
a God who can forgive my sin. For us to worship in truth, our lips and our heart need to line up. And I kind of alluded to it before, but I believe that for us to worship in spirit, we need to be able to uh, allow our spirit to worship, not just worship in the, in the space where we worship. What I mean by that is um, worship is a heart matter, not an activity. It's, it's, it's not a function of church. And it's not a, it's not a time slot either. It's actually, uh, it's actually a heart, um, it's a heart decision, it's a heart action, but it's not an activity. It's actually, it's a, and you might have heard this before, it's actually a lifestyle. It's actually a conscious choice. And, and all that to say, it, he, he doesn't want to just meet you here in church. He does, and He will, I believe that. But I feel like God's saying there's more. There's more than the worship atmosphere, the uplifting. There's more than that for you. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're ready for it and if you'll allow it. The fact is, when we worship and when we worship truly, we're inviting the Holy Spirit to inspect our hearts. We're inviting the Holy Spirit to, to look in at our heart. Show us what's not of Him. Show us what maybe needs to alter condemnation at that point will say what are you doing here but the holy spirit will say man i'm so glad you're here do you want to deal with that do you want to align that right now (laughs) if not i'm so glad you're here (laughs) but (laughs) fill out a connect form and go to a life group Uh, maybe you can deal with it there um in jesus name when we worship in spirit and in truth, it's an all-of-life, whole-of-body, head-and-heart lifestyle. It's extravagant. It's giving it all. And, and, and Jesus talked about this. Let, let's think about three stories just for a moment. Let's think about the widow's offering in Mark 12. The woman who um, gave it all, her, her couple of pennies, and she gave everything she had. And, it got the, and Jesus said, this woman has given more than any of you. And everyone else is like, whoa. Pulls out another 50. Say, has this guy got foreign currency conversion issues or something? Um, But he said, she gave it all and that's what it's all about. The sinful woman with the jar of extravagant perfume in Luke 7 who poured it out all on the feet of Jesus. Even Mary and Martha in Luke 10. When Martha opened up her home, invited Jesus in. Now, we'll read this quickly because it kind of sums up the other two really well. In Luke 10 says, And as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, I really think Martha's opened up her home, but Mary's opened up her heart. And, and, and worship, if it's a head and a heart thing, then it, it's not an activity. It's the, the world will say, what are you doing? But, but God's asking, where's your heart at? Where, where are we at? When we, invite, when, when we worship in truth and in spirit, we're opening up our heart to be inspected by God. It's not about 
keeping face. <laughs> it's about being open and, and surrendering, being able to, to, to lay it all out. And, and, that's what, and that's what the widow's offering is. She laid it all out. The sinful woman with the jar of perfume laid it all out. Even uh, Mary and Martha, one opened their home and I feel like one opened their heart to Jesus. And I feel like our worship is opening our heart to Jesus because honestly, what do we protect the most? We probably protect ourselves, right? What greater act of worship than to be able to open up and be vulnerable with the thing we protect the most? What a greater act of surrender. The truth is, and this is what I really feel, is that Jesus is not just here to be sung about. And He's not just here to be told about, but He's here to be known. He's here to be known. True worship is knowing Jesus. I'm going to close with this, and if the band wants to come... But I, I really believe that it's the power of His presence that changes us. And I guess it can be hard, right? Because the language is we're going to have a time of worship. <laughs> and it, I guess it's quickly easy to think that, that that's our worship. But it's not. <laughs> it, it's part of it. And it's the outworking of our worship. And music is an incredible tool to engage with the emotions that we otherwise might hard at find it hard to express or hard to engage. And the words are, are, are ways that we can praise and honor our God, perhaps with words that we might otherwise find it hard to articulate with. And I'm so thankful for that because all, sometimes all I want to be able to say is God is so good. But for some reason, until I hear that song, I find it hard to be able to do that. But the truth is that song is not my worship. It's, it's a way to engage my heart's desire to declare that God is good, to declare that He is my Lord and my Savior, to be able to honor Him. True worship, spirit and truth, it's engaging our heart. It's all about our heart. It's not an activity. And I really believe that God has more for each and every one of us. And I hope, I really pray that... Um, that this encourages you or perhaps takes the pressure off the activity of worship for you <laughs> because it's a heart thing. I'd also truly believe that, and let me articulate this well, <laughs> I also truly believe that sometimes we need to talk our body into action, <laughs> to talk our physical self into action to be able to engage our spirit. For example, sometimes I need to tell myself that, God, your love is better than life and in your name I will lift up my hands. Because sometimes, to be honest with you, I just don't feel like it. But sometimes I need to tell my fleshly self, His love is better than life. I know somewhere in here my heart believes it. <laughs> I know somewhere in my, in right in here my heart believes it. But sometimes I need to physically tell myself, no. In your name, God, I will lift up my hands and I will be full because I know that deep down I actually really am. I am full because God is in me. I want to close with this final encouragement. And this is a little bit separate to um, my word now. But something that I want to, 
I just want to leave with us as a church. Um, I'm coming back too, by the way. But um, if I, I'm not going to get a chance to say something in a microphone for three months. So I thought I'm going all out right now. <laughs> I've just got to go all in. And I want to, I want to share this. That, you know, we, we've just kind of talked a little bit about the truth. Can I tell you, the world is desperate for this truth. The world is desperate for this truth. The world is searching for this truth, even if, they th- even if they're searching in other places, what they're really searching for is the truth that comes from Jesus. And I want to share from Acts 17, because I feel like this, um, this passage articulates it really, really well. It's, it's Paul in Athens. And I'm going to share from the message version because I think, it, um, I, think, I think it just really hits a nail on the head. But what's happening is Paul has arrived in Athens and what he's noticed, in fact, he's got disgusted with the amount of idols in the place, the amount of things that are being worshipped, the range and the, I guess, the depth of the things that are being worshipped. It says the city was a junkyard of idols. If you've been to the recycle center, right? Like I think junkyard and idols. Now, my wife loves the recycle center. And I'm sure what's one man's junk is another man's treasure. I brought a pen. It's too late to change the message now. Um, but the city was a junkyard of idols. And I tell you what, people are searching. People are searching for things to worship. And they're searching for something that's fulfilling. They're searching for something that's actually going to um, actually going to connect them to something that's bigger than themselves. And, um, and I want to pick this up in, in verse 22. Because what's happened is he's walking through this town, having the message in his heart, knowing that Jesus Christ died and rose again. This is the good news, amen? Like This is the good stuff. And he knows that he's got the truth inside of him. But what's happened is that people just don't know the truth yet. And the reality is... Our community, we might look at them and think, what are you doing? But the fact is, there's so many people who just don't know the truth yet. There's people who just haven't heard the word yet. And so Paul takes his stand in the open place. And he says this, It is plain to see that you Athenians take your religion very seriously. When I arrived here the other day, I was fascinated with all the shrines I came across. What a nice way to say it, fascinated. And then I found one inscribed to the God nobody knows. Isn't that the case? People worshipping something they don't really know, but they're sure. Well, maybe we might put it this way. People who say, I believe in God, but have no idea who that God actually is. Well, here it comes. Paul says, this, this has obviously tipped Paul over the edge, and he's about to just skyrocket, and he's going to give it to him. He says this, um, I'm here to introduce you to this God so you can worship intelligently. Know who you're dealing with. The God who made the world and everything in it, this master of sky and land, doesn't live in custom-made shrines or need the human race to run errands for him as if he couldn't take care of himself. He makes the creatures. The creatures don't make him. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in him. Can't get away from him. One of your poets said it well. We're the God created. Well, if we are the God created, 
It doesn't make a lot of sense to think we could hire a sculptor to chisel a God out of stone for us, does it? God overlooks it as long as you don't know any better. But that time has passed. The unknown is now known and he's calling for radical life change. Church, here's what I believe. This church is here to make the unknown made known. I believe that. We're here to build a significant church. And if, if there's one thing that I could just encourage us with tonight, we're here to, in, this word from Paul, I'm here to introduce you to this God. <laughs> I would love for us as people who know the truth, and if that's you tonight, then this is actually perhaps our responsibility to take on these words. I'm, in, I'm here to introduce you to this God. The God that nobody knows. The unknown God. The thing you worship that you don't really understand. I'm here to introduce you to this God. God is here to be known. God is here to be known. And He's here to be known in here. Not just in this church, but in our heart. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that you have made yourself available to us. God, I pray that for each and every one of us. God, you would show us what it means to be able to worship in spirit and in truth, where our spirit aligns with what our lips are saying. God, where we are able to acknowledge and declare with our whole of our life, God, that you are our Lord and Savior. And God, I thank you that that is true. I thank you that you are our Lord. You are our Savior. You are our God. God, I thank you for what you have done for us. God, I pray that you would empower us as a church to be able to go out into the places in our lives, to be able to declare and invite people to be able to introduce them to this God. God, I give you thanks for all of these things and for all of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.